Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, Tuesday edition Hope everybody is safe and well. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show. The NHL still has yet to announce its hub cities for the playoffs. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about someone associated with the Islanders who I am shocked is not yet in the Hockey Hall of Fame. We'll also have our Back to the Future feature, and we're looking at another one of the Islanders' recent number one draft picks and seeing where he fits in plus our islanders birthday of the day and a whole lot more don't forget if you have a question a comment a topic you'd like us to discuss feel free to send us an email you could reach us at locked islanders at gmail.com leave your name where you're from and we're happy to mention you on the air as we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and we'll tell you whenever a new show drops. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes concerning the New York Islanders. All right, so we're waiting. There have been a lot of talk over the last few weeks about the NHL's hub cities and where they're going to be, and we still do not have an official announcement. Now, a few weeks ago, Vegas seemed all but certain to be the Eastern Conference hub, and yet uh, we don't know what's going to be with regard to that as the coronavirus, unfortunately, has spread throughout much of the country in recent weeks and may impede things right now. There are five cities still officially in the running, Chicago, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and Toronto. Las Vegas has been considered a favorite, as we've mentioned, for a few weeks. Rumors going around right now say that Toronto would be the second favorite, but we still do not know whether or not they will be the official uh, finalist and, and the official location for the Western Conference hub. Now, the only guidelines we know, the NHL has indicated that they will entertain all factors and they do not want any team to play home games in its hub. So, 
it's got to be one Eastern Conference and one Western Conference hub, meaning under those circumstances that either Toronto has got to be a lock because all the other cities are in the Western Conference, or it means that they may not divide the two hubs 100% by conference. So to me, I'm betting on Toronto and Vegas as the two hubs, but we're waiting for official word. It could come today, Tuesday, or we could go a few days beyond that. Remember now, July 10th was the initial date for phase three, which is the official opening of training camp, but it remains to be seen whether or not, again, the increase in the number of coronavirus cases that we've seen is going to affect that. And talking about that, news coming out yesterday, the NHL as part of phase two tested 250 players who reported to their team's training facilities uh, in the last couple of weeks since the NHL went to phase two. And 15 of those players uh, have tested positive. An additional 11 players who did not report have also tested positive since June 8th. So a total of 26 NHL players have tested positive. They have all self-isolated and followed CDC uh, guidelines in the United States, Health Canada protocols if they are in Canada. And again, As of now, the NHL is full steam ahead on part, phase three, rather, of the plan to resume play. We will see, uh, again, whether or not that can continue. The other thing right now that the NHL has announced looks like it is likely, again, not finalized, but likely that only the production staff of television and radio broadcasts will be on site, uh, which means that the play-by-play and color commentators will likely work remotely. And I'll tell you something, that does make sense to me. Obviously, ideally, you want them in the building and you want them to feel a part of the atmosphere in the arena to be able to speak to the players, etc., etc. But You could do speaking to the players via Zoom conference or any other video conference and still conduct interviews. And let's face it, the broadcasters are safer, their families are safer, etc. if they do things remotely. And that may change when you get down toward the finals, uh, but at least for the play-in round and and probably the first round after that, NHL broadcasters not going to be on site, will be calling their games remotely. And again, I think sometimes discretion is the better part of valor, and this would be a wise move by the National Hockey League to keep as many, you know, look, you want to minimize the number of people interacting and minimize the number of people who are exposed to potentially coronavirus, and 
keeping the broadcasters, you know, doing the job, whether it be from home or from a studio somewhere where they can maintain social distancing, that makes sense. Is it ideal? No, but it definitely does make sense, and we shall see, uh, again, how these plans work out once they are finalized, but logically, broadcasters will be working remotely when hopefully the NHL playoffs get underway at the end of July. All right, so one thing that uh, I came across on Twitter uh, yesterday that really kind of upset me, uh, the NHL Media Awards were announced, and uh, the Elmer Ferguson Memorial Award for Excellence in Hockey Journalism goes to Tony Gallagher, and the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award for Outstanding Contributions as a Hockey Broadcaster goes to Rick Peckham. And I'm not saying those two people are not deserving. I know, in fact, they both are very deserving. However, one thing I didn't know, and thanks to uh, someone named Dave Katz, whose handle on Twitter is at KatzStats, Stan Fischler is not presently in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I would have thought, without looking, I would have been almost certain that the Hockey Maven was in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And when you think about it from an Islanders perspective, uh, Fischler has been a part of Islanders broadcast, what, from 1974 all the way up until a couple of years ago when he finally did announce his retirement. So, you know, he was a part of Islander broadcast for, what, 40-plus years he was worked on Devils broadcast, Rangers broadcast, was involved with the Rangers Booster Club, and was a hockey journalist for the Hockey News, worked on a number of other hockey-related magazines dating back to the 60s and 70s, and even before that, Stan Fischler belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I'll tell you something else, and here is something that maybe a lot of people who are just fans of the game, even very good fans of the game, don't know. Stan Fischler helped a lot of people get started in the hockey writing and and media business, giving them internships, helping him work on his books, researching them and what have you, uh, working for the Fischler newsletter, which has been a great publication for so many years, and realistically, uh, you know, helping them find jobs after they were done working for him. I cannot tell you in my years uh, covering the Islanders and doing covering some Rangers and Devils games as well, how many people I met who either worked for or worked with over the years, Stan Fischler. He really quietly behind the scenes helps a lot of people. And I'll tell you, Stan has been a part of the New York hockey scene dating back to the days of the New York Americans. He loves the sport. He promotes the sport. He has been a a great part of Islanders broadcasts since, you know, this team was, what, in its third season of existence. And quite honestly, uh, to me, Stan Fischler belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and hopefully next year that 
can be remedied because Stan has contributed so very much to the sport of hockey, especially here in the New York area. And I would love to see the hockey maven become a part uh, to, to get the honor that he so richly deserves. All right, uh, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and it is a 62nd birthday today of goaltender Steve Weeks. Weeks got his start with the New York Rangers. That's part of his career, I guess, that we don't want to talk about much. Uh, After playing at Northern Michigan University, later played for the Hartford Whalers, the Vancouver Canucks, and then the New York Islanders, joining the Islanders for the 1991-92 season, played well, had a 3.60 goals against average in 23 games, but a record of nine wins, four losses, and two ties on an Islander team that wasn't, you know, an outstanding team, was a pretty good team, so a 9-4-2 record, an 8-90 save percentage for Steve Weeks. We're going to look at one of his better games, taking you back to January 7th, 1992, at the Joe Louis Arena, Islanders and the Detroit Red Wings. Again, Steve Weeks and is the Islander goalie, Tim Day in between the pipes, for the Detroit Red Wings. Islanders getting on the board first. Ray Ferraro, his 21st from Benoit Hogue and Graham Townsend at 248, 1-0 Islanders. But then the Red Wings struck twice in two and a half minutes, roughly. Paul Isabar got his 21st from Sean Burr and Steve Chason at 12:38, And then Chason got his fourth of the year at 15:06 with an assist from Steve Iserman. And it was 2-1 to one in favor of Detroit. But just 34 seconds after Chason's goal, Ray Ferraro tied it for the Islanders. His second of the game, 22nd of the year. Graham Townsend and Benoit Hogue with the assists after the first period. The game was all even at two apiece. No scoring in the second period. Islanders had three power play opportunities The Red Wings had two, but neither team could take advantage, and they went to the third period still even up at two. But Bill Berg came through with what turned out to be the tie-breaking goal. His third, Benoit Hogue and Ray Ferraro with the helpers at 7.23. Islanders had a 3-2 lead. Then Ray Ferraro at 11.17 gets his second, uh, excuse me, third goal of the game. His 23rd of the year, again, an assist to Benoit Hogue. And 43 seconds later, Ferraro, his fourth of the game, 24th of the year, unassisted at 12 minutes. Islanders skate away with a 5-2 win over a very good Detroit Red Wings team that came into this game 13 games over 500. Ray Ferraro, the offensive star of the game, four goals, one assist, four assists for Benoit Hogue in this one. Graham Townsend with a pair of helpers, but Steve Weeks, 35 saves after facing 37 shots. Islanders actually outshot in this game by a margin of 37 to 21, 
And yet, because of the outstanding goaltending of Steve Weeks, they were able to emerge with this win. Uh, on the plus-minus side, Ray Ferraro and Graham Townsend each plus fours, while shots on goal five for Ray Ferraro, four of them beating Tim Shevelday to give the Islanders some goals. And as a result, the Islanders pick up two points in the standings, a big road win at the Joe. Islanders five, Red Wings two, thanks to the strong goaltending of today's Islanders' birthday of the day, Steve Weeks. Weeks, of course, went on to a uh, goaltending and assistant coach career, started with the Whalers, went on to the Hurricanes, and then the Thrashers and Blackhawks. The last year he was in the NHL as an assistant coach was 2013-2014. He played 290 NHL games. Uh, after leaving the Islanders, he was traded midway through that one season that he played with the Islanders, uh, sent to the LA Kings in exchange for a seventh-round pick which the Islanders used to draft someone named Steve O'Rourke back in 1992. So Weeks spent the 91-92 season with the Islanders up until February 18th when he was traded after leaving the Islanders, the LA Kings for part of a season, and then the Ottawa Senators for part of a season before hanging up his skates and becoming a coach. Uh, so happy birthday to Steve Weeks one of those players who played for both the Islanders and the Rangers, and our Islanders' birthday boy of the day. All right, time for our Back to the Future feature. As we continue, this is our second week looking at the future of the New York Islanders, some of their prospects, where we, we did one on where they're going to be playing, the Belmont Park Arena. Uh, and today we focus on Oliver Wallstrom, who was the Islanders' first-round pick in the 2018 NHL entry draft, 11th pick overall, an American native of Quincy, Massachusetts. And Wallstrom did make his NHL debut this year, played in nine games with the New York Islanders, did not record a point, was a minus two in the plus-minus, and had four penalty minutes for the Islanders, and look, nobody expects that Wallstrom would have really been NHL-ready. He is 20 years old now, turned 20 earlier this month, and in 45 games with the Sound Tigers, 10 goals, 12 assists, 22 points. Again, you look at that and those numbers, and, you know, you, you extrapolate that to a full 82-game season, and what is that, about 18, maybe 19 goals? Not bad for his first full season in professional hockey. He did play five games with Bridgeport and five playoff games with Bridgeport a year ago, but right now, I, I would expect he's at least another year or two away from being ready to join the Islanders on a permanent basis. He showed some ability during the nine games he was up here. Still looked a little tentative at times, but look, I like this kid's size, 6'2", 211 pounds, and you look at the scouting report. First of all, 
He is fast, and he is a very, very good skater, can change speeds very well, uh, knows how to elude defenders and, and get good position in the offensive zone. Still needs to get a little bit stronger, uh, again, to compete in the NHL, but look, that is typical of most 20-year-old hockey players. There are only a handful of exceptions each year when it comes to that. So one of the strong points of Wallstrom's game is his stick handling, and that is a, a very good thing. The other thing I like, he can pass well. He knows how to take a hit to make a play. And, you know, that is something we saw a lot more of 10, 20, 30 years ago in the NHL. Players willing to wait until that last minute when their teammate comes open, an opposing player is coming in ready to give them that hard check, and they wait, they take the hit, they make the pass, and the and create a scoring opportunity. He has a good shot, a fast, very fast release. And the good thing that I like is that Wallstrom has worked on quickening his release over the course of his career. And, you know, I think he has a future as a pure goal scorer, and that is something that the Islanders need. Now, why haven't we seen Oliver Wallstrom up for more than a cup of coffee yet in the NHL? I'll sum it up in one word. Defense. Oliver Wallstrom still needs to get used to playing that 200-foot game that Barry Trotz values so much. And he's a little bit tentative in his own zone, not as physical in his own zone, and needs to backcheck more consistently in order to earn a permanent spot in the Islanders lineup. The good thing about Wallstrom, another good thing about him, he can play center, he can play wing, and, you know, that gives him some versatility. A lot of scouts compared him, style-wise at least, to Max Pacioretty. He definitely has top six forward potential, now it is a question of whether or not the Islanders coaching staff can bring that out of him and get him to develop. I, for one, am not overly concerned, again, that he didn't register any points during his nine games with the Islanders, nor am I overly concerned that he only had 22 points in 45 games with the Sound Tigers. Right now, Oliver Wallstrom is at the point in his NHL career where he's learning, and that is perfectly fine. Let him learn, let him grow physically, get stronger, learn the defensive side of the game, and keep working because he is a hard worker, wants to improve, wants to be better. I think the best is yet to come, and again, to me, Oliver Wallstrom, his arrival in the NHL full-time, probably another year away. But here's the thing. The Islanders need goal scorers. We know that. If Wallstrom has a big year down in Bridgeport, gets off to a very hot start, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him called up to the Islanders in the middle of next season in order to get an extra amount of offensive punch into the Islanders lineup. It will, a lot of it, depend on how quickly he can adapt to the defensive requirements that the Islanders prefer in their players. And you're not going to play for Barry Trotz if you're tentative in your own zone and don't play sound positional hockey. Well, if you're enjoying the show, please tell friends, family members, fellow Islander fans. You could also help us out by leaving a five-star rating and a review on the podcatcher of your choice. That helps other Islander fans find the podcast when they're looking for Islanders content. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, please tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a national perspective on the game of hockey. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Remember, we're always one day closer to the resumption of hockey. And, of course, let's go Islanders.